Our Untangled Minds by CUSM is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional medical or psychological advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Please make sure if you do have any questions or concerns that are medical or psychological in nature that you seek out a physician or qualified mental health provider for further help. Furthermore, the information, viewpoints, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals that are involved. They do not represent absolute fact and are subject to change at any point in time. CUSM does not accept responsibility for these views. Lastly, the names and details of any medical stories shared in this episode have been edited for privacy. For those of you who are interested in learning a little bit more about our residents, stay tuned because now it's going to be the (laughs) rapid fire round, which I did not give them the questions to, but they're easy questions, I promise. We just want to learn more about you guys. First question, we're going to go on a round table. So why don't we do this? We'll go with Brian, Nam, and then Allison. Okay. First question. Least favorite chief complaint and why? Weakness. It's a very nonspecific. Could be anything. It's always generally a very broad thing. And in the end, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not. There's a lot of serious causes and a lot of non-serious causes. And it's just oh, very right. difficult complaint to work up. It's a lot of labs. <laughs> it's a lot of labs. It's a lot of rule out. Dizziness. Because Same they thing, right? don't know how to specify if it's lightheadedness or actual vertigo. Yeah. And, you know, especially in the older patients or re- really anybody, right? You know, a posterior circulation stroke can sneak up on you. Yeah. Is it an MI or a stroke? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> which one is it? Right. Yeah. For me, it's eye stuff. So if someone comes in with an eye complaint, I'm like, I hate having to grab everything for the eye exam <laughs> oh, because yeah. I don't have it on me and it takes so much longer. I have to agree with you that the logistics to grabbing the slit lamp, the woods lamp, then yeah. the paparicane that you need, mm-hmm. then like, the dye that you need for the eye. It's not always available. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, a, it's, it's like, oh, I don't know where it is. It's in triage. It's not in triage. You're no. like, where is this thing man so it by the time it gets moved around yeah know? it gets moved around it and it's twice as long to see those patients right a simple eye complaint that looks like it could just be viral conjunctivitis but you know it is mm-hmm. you still have to do the entire yeah. exam just to be thorough and really like 15 minutes of it is me finding the supplies mm-hmm. yep it's like a universal truth, guys, that regardless of what emergency medicine department you go into, the slit lamp and all the stuff for the eyes is never to be found. It's always <laughs> thrown somewhere, yep. and you have to go looking for it. So sometimes your entire patient evaluation. So the way it works at Kaiser is we don't pick up patients. Patients mm-hmm. are assigned to us. Oh. Q, Q 20 minutes. So sometimes I'll spend the entire 20 minutes that I was allotted yeah. for that patient Just trying to look for stuff, <laughs> and then they'll call me on overheads like, Dr. Honda, bedside 8. And I'm like, oh, it's like I didn't even see this one yet, yeah. man. And it's like a critical, you know, you're like, oh, great. So, um, okay, let's move on. Um, What's worse, someone saying, oh, it's quiet in the ER tonight, or a nurse that turns to you and says, hey, doc, you know what terrible condition we haven't seen in a while in this ER? I feel like, you know, the terrible condition, at least you get something critical and you're like, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting to see. If it comes in, you're like, cool, that was a cool case. So for you, quiet. Yeah, but then sometimes, you know, you get like you're busy. I mean, if it's not busy and someone says that, then you get a flood of like ambulances. You're just like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) As a resident, I don't care if someone jinxes the department with quiet because I want to be busy. (laughs) Um, But I'd say as I'm transitioning to an attending, I don't need it to be that busy. (laughs) Let's keep it chill. Yeah. I think for me, I will actually say, oh, it's quiet because I'll get bored during shift. But that's because I'm a resident right now. But I think sometimes having a terrible complaint and then it showing up, you're like, oh, God, what did I just do? (laughs) I'd rather have someone just say quiet because 
I think I'm efficient fast enough that I can probably catch up. Mm -hmm. But sometimes where I work specifically, we don't have all the consultants on board. Mm -hmm. So sometimes transferring your patient, if it's some weird condition, can be kind of hard. It's not impossible, but it can be kind of hard. I've heard nightmares of some of my friends working more rural areas trying to transfer out like dissections and taking hours mm-hmm. and they're just sitting on this patient on drips yeah, like for it, hours it's just mm-hmm. a ticking time bomb right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the patient's dying like i'm not i'm, yeah. I'm not i obviously cannot operate i need a ct surgeon yeah. but they don't have capacity to take the patient they can't so in the next one most embarrassing thing you've done as a resident i guess i could like immediately go with like that first uh consult i had like with no oh, not doing or, thorough, yeah, yeah. i didn't well it wasn't just not thorough i like this patient just came in and i was and i was like okay what next my head was spinning that day by the way my first day in residency i got two intubations a central line and a chest tube like nom can verify <laughs> uh so uh it's a busy day. yeah like i didn't know what was going on i was trying to learn this new emr i didn't do an exam at all and I didn't look at the vitals, and I didn't. I had no information, and I called him. And was just like, "Hey, what's up?" You That's know, why like, I was uh, there. And I happened to get one of the more notorious neurosurgeons. So it was essentially like the stars lining up in badness. And uh, my God, I, I never felt dumber in my entire life. And I think, <laughs> what, what did you get yourself into? Yeah. Uh, thinking my career choice now. Yeah, I was just like, "Whoa, okay, we are never doing that again." You know, we're going to go back. And I feel like, in some ways, I kind of over overcompensate with some of the neuro stuff now too, just as a result of having like, you know, done that. That's okay. You learned. Yeah. And I, I think at some point in residency, I just said, "Okay, I'm kind of just fed up with myself being feeling bad about myself. I'm just gonna do better because I'm yeah. obviously gonna keep making mistakes. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna learn to just be better mm-hmm. and not dwell too much on my mistakes." Right? Nam, Allison, I'm still trying to think. Do you guys want to hear mine as you guys are thinking? Yeah. I I didn't do this as a resident, but I did this as a as a med student, which was I went into one of the patient rooms. And I was talking to the patient and I, dude, I was feeling so good about myself. Like I got such good history, did such a thorough physical. I even did like these special maneuvers, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, as I was typing up the note, I had realized that I spoke to the wrong patient. <laughs> <laughs> Completely the wrong patient. The funny thing was the patient that I was supposed to talk to had abdominal pain, but the one I ended up talking to was chest pain. So then I went back and kind of asked like, Hey, weren't you here for chest pain? Why are you telling me you have abdominal pain? It's like, eh, it's kind of low. <laughs> like, I guess this is abdominal. I'm like, but I asked you if you had abdominal pain. But it goes to show you, though, asking leading questions yeah. or just asking the patient. Yeah, Because I think I remember at that point I had walked in and said, Hey, my name is V. How are you doing? I'm the medical student today. I'm going to be seeing you. I heard you were coming in for abdominal pain, which is not what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to ask an open-ended question. So when you ask a leading question, you can sometimes lead the patient down the wrong path, mm-hmm. right? Who knows? Maybe it might have been an inferior MI too. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, too late now. I think for me, <laughs> yeah. like my most probably, well, I don't know if this is the most embarrassing, but what comes to mind is at the end of my second year, by the time I had already been signed off on chest tubes, I completely botched my chest tube and it was all kinked. The, the <laughs> chief of surgery came down and was like, what the heck what happened here? They had to completely pull it out and redo it. I was like so embarrassed because I'm like, okay, I'm about to be a senior. I should be good at these by now. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Where did it kinked as you were trying to rotate so it in? So I think I just pushed it in too hard. So it completely bent. It was not draining. And it, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you should feel too bad about it. I feel like when you 
you know, because they tell you to rotate off yeah, to try to get, uh-huh. but like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes they just do whatever they want. Yeah. I feel like it's just anatomical. It depends, but I'm pretty sure a surgeon's listening to this and be like, you guys just suck and know what you're doing. <laughs> you guys shouldn't be doing chest tubes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess mine, I did the same thing you did last night, actually. I walked up yeah. to the patient. I was like, I had seen her in triage already, uh, you know, went to follow up on her labs and I started talking to uh, this patient and went with the full spiel, blah, blah, blah. All right, we're going to send you home now. And she looks at me, she's like, I thought I was being admitted. And I was like, and then I looked over to the other side and it's like similar face, similar clothes. And I was like, oh, I meant to talk to her. Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, erase everything I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. I think part of it too is uh, you'll continue to make these mistakes as attendings um, because look, you're going to be tired. You're going to have mm-hmm. brain farts here mm-hmm. and there and it happens. So that's okay. It's part of just being, making sure you don't make, too big of mistakes, right? Yeah. Making sure you have those checks and orders, right? So there are some things you obviously don't want to make mistakes with, but minor ones like that are okay. I mean, as long as you catch yourself and you understand why you made them and you just learn to be better. Own up to it. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. own up to it as well, too. All right, so next question. It's one of those, pick one or the other. As an ER doc, a crashing neonate or a crash cricothyrotomy? Which would I prefer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to pick one. Crashing crike. Okay. Yeah, I'll take the crack over any kid. Yeah. You know, I think as a as a resident, this is one of those cases where like I want to see a crashing the as a resident because I sure. have like you know yeah. the attending to like backing up. But my goodness, if I was an attending, definitely to crash and mm-hmm. crack because <laughs> yeah. like you just feel more comfortable with that. A crashing uh-huh. neonates difficult and also litigious nightmare, and also everyone's going to need debriefing after that if it doesn't go well. Yeah. You yeah. know. I agree with you. Crash, cry, because mm-hmm. give me that 11 blade and I'll make a hole I, and I'll I, put it to you. I can yeah. cut a neck, but, yeah. you know, a kid is so much more fragile mm-hmm. and so, yeah. in, in every way. Maybe that wasn't as hard as the questions I thought. <laughs> yeah. and you put, you put a sick baby in there and everybody freaks yeah. out. Right, yeah. 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 no matter what. I mean, unless unless you're, you're uh, uh, you know, PEM, like, yeah. you're, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all freaking out. Yeah. yeah. That's why PDS, that's such a universal thing, because, like, it's just like, oh, my God, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness for Brazil tapes, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, last question of the EM-specific rapid questions, at least. It's two-sided as well. Most and least favorite procedure and why? So let's talk about your most favorite procedure first and why. Most favorite would probably be a central line. Um, just because I feel probably the most comfortable with them. Yeah. Because, like, intubations, they can go wrong. And when they go wrong, it's really scary. By the way, this is kind of an extension of it too, but rock or succinylcholine? What do you guys prefer? I personally like rock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, you if know, I could like, choose one, I would choose rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rock is, you know, Safer. sucks, sucks, rock, rocks, rocks, rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No? What's your favorite procedure? I like shoulder and elbow reductions. Oh, yeah. That's satisfying. Cool. Very that satisfying. That click is satisfying. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, shoulder reduction technique? I actually just prefer, I think it's called Stimson's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stimson's, yeah. yeah where you just hang over the bed, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's less invasive. Um, but in particular, elbow reductions is when I uh, I grab their hand, put my elbow into their like uh, the bend of their arm, yeah, and then just gentle traction. Yeah, I don't know. Cutting him. Good quick. Is that cutting him? For no, for elbow. Cutting him. I don't know. Is if there's a any shoulder. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Shoulder that. is cutting him. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but I just like holding their hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a bond. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what that technique is called with the elbow, but it's cool. Uh, and then least favorite, I hate um, LPs. If you don't set them up good, if their anatomy sucks, you know, you're kind of just. 
yeah praying for the best yeah or severely uh morbidly obese patients are really difficult because then you're just going like obviously ultrasound can help you but after you have identified your inner space it's still technically going blind Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to anatomically define much of anything really okay so most favorite is shoulder and elbow reductions least favorite Mm -hmm. is lp you say most favorite central line allison Mm -hmm. what's your least favorite allison Hmm. i don't know you want me to come back to you yeah Yeah, brian okay brian go ahead (laughs) i already have mine by the way i have my favorite (laughs) mine yeah go ahead I was gonna say like central lines, especially subclavians, are extremely satisfying because you do them blind, and when you get that flash, it's, mm-hmm. it feels amazing. Gratifying. But uh, another t- uh, procedure, just for the sake of variety, that I really like is uh, essentially any sort of ultrasound guided nerve block. You know, uh, especially the ones where you can visualize the nerve, something like a femoral, or even like or a plane, like a fascia of the Because like you can really, you can the like needle. You do it in plane too, so the needle looks like a lightsaber going in. Like it's and then out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you can see the liquid spread in there and you're just like you're just like it's just right on target the fem is a good one to start with with too. yeah yeah the yeah, fem's yeah. usually uh, a fem block is really easy to visualize too yeah, yeah yeah and you just you can see it go right where you want it to the needle's super bright and it's perfect you know and what's your least favorite the lp is always a different one i've actually found they've become less intimidating as i've gotten a better feel for like the structures in the area i can generally walk a needle into the right place mm-hmm. Like, give me a moment to think about my least okay. favorite. Too. I think I figured it out. All right, awesome. I think Paris and TCs because they take mm. so long. They're easy, yeah. but it's just like I hate having to wait an hour sometimes to get them to They're not fun. Nobody, nobody yeah. cares about them. Wait, <laughs> let me pose you a new question then. A paracentesis or an eye complaint? <laughs> How about an eye pa- ocular paracentesis? Oh, God. <laughs> you know you can actually do yeah. that, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, Brian, do you have your answer for your least Yeah, favorite? yeah. I, I thought I figured it out. It's, I actually really don't like risk reductions that much. Okay. They're like, they're very hard oh. To get back in place, you have to pull. Yeah, okay. Now I'm flexing his muscles <laughs> over there, and because he's got like you know, just hulking out. Yeah. But like, get really getting that thing back in place, you got to put a ton of traction on. Then you have to like really mold it, and you know, and keep it in place while you're molding it. You know, with the, like three points of contact and whatnot, and yeah. just it's difficult. Sometimes you need a procedure to sedate them. It takes a lot of time, and you're very sweaty afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So either yeah, because you either have to do a really good hematoma block yeah. or you gotta sedate them um one trick i learned for med students is one of the orthopods showed me for risk uh risk reduction is um you have to exaggerate the fracture first then pull counter traction because you got to get it over that chip basically yeah. yeah so you have to almost exaggerate the fracture first so pull it so basically bend it in the direction that you don't want to bend it initially mm-hmm. then you got to pull the counter traction then get it over the risk reductions are like exceptionally harder compared to like the other reductions yeah they are yeah <laughs> we had a um, i have a, a funny flex story that happened completely by accident and I guess the residents at the time, my senior residents who are now, you know, I don't know, like five, six years out of practice now. Um, one of them had a trauma case with an older gentleman who had a hip fracture or sorry, a hip um, dislocation. So my senior resident tried it, couldn't get it in. The orthopod tried it. The orthopod intern tried it, couldn't get it in. The second year tried it, could not get it in. Mm-hmm. Then the senior came down, could not get it in. And they were just like, man, we're going to take this guy to surgery now because he can't get it in. So then my senior saw me walking across the trauma bay because I was on an ambulance run for something else. And I looked mm-hmm. inside and he's like, hey, do you want to try this uh, hip reduction real quick? Because uh-huh. none of us can get it in. And they're going to take him to the OR soon anyway. You might as well give it a try. So I just came in, mm-hmm. one foot up in the bed, Captain Morgan that thing oh, yeah. in like three seconds, and it clicked right in. <laughs> 
And I remember the orthopod senior was just like, man, you should have just gone to orthopedic surgery, man. Dude, how, how, many have, how many of these have you done? I was like, you don't want to know, man. And I walk out. And the truth is, I did zero. <laughs> that was my very first one. And I got super lucky and got it in. So now my senior residents know the real truth, which was the answer to you don't want to know was zero. <laughs> I did not have that. You were it. truthful, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I was mm-hmm. truthful, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably didn't want to know. Exactly. Like, I just cut out done. <laughs> exactly. Wait, so, so what are your uh, favorite and uh, least favorite? Oh, my favorite procedure. I'll start with my least favorite. Your lax. I hate oh. Oh, yeah. ear lacerations. They so for med students out there, ear lacerations suck because they are really time intensive. Um, if it's through and through, you have to obviously do multi layer closures, which take a lot of time. Not only that, but the skin and the cartilage is really complex as well too. So there's all these complex curves that you're trying to put back together. The cartilage itself is really hard to bite, take bites of sometimes because it's really thin. So sometimes it doesn't hold well. Not only that, but ear uh, lacerations in general uh, sometimes don't heal very well. Patients walk out of the hospital with this like big ear muff that you've made for them because yeah. you have to like <laughs> put all this compart. Yeah, you gotta put all this like. So I, I hate ear lacerations because mm-hmm. they take up so much time. My last ear lac I did was at 3.30 in the morning, and I think it took me an hour to do. Um, I called plastic surgery for help, and he's like, I'm not coming in for this. (laughs) I was like, come (laughs) on, man, help me out, dude. I've got so many patients. (laughs) Um, Which is fine. He doesn't have to come in for it. But it's nice if they come in. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My favorite procedure is, I also have to agree, I do like central lines. I think there's something so satisfying when uh, medicine, you guys get a chance to do central lines. For some reason, when you do that negative back pressure and then you get that release and the yeah. blood gets into I don't know why. It's just very <laughs> satisfying. I, I like that. That's why it's nice on the subclavian because, yeah. you know, you're in and you're good. Yeah, you know, the subclavian, I found it's very easy to pass the guide wire. All, Once like, you get the flash, it yeah. passes easily. Yeah. 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 The annoying part is only when you get the flash and you try to advance the guide wire and then it's stuck. And it doesn't. Yeah. And then yeah. it's so frustrating. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> calcification pocket. What is this? Let's go on to something a little more light. Dogs or cats, Brian? Dogs. Okay. Yeah. Dogs. Dogs. Cats. Cats? Oh, you get along with Dr. Craig. <laughs> She's the associate program director for internal medicine. She loves cats. <laughs> what is your desert island food? Oh, like you guys got trapped on a desert island? Yeah, so it doesn't have to be a logical option, okay? It doesn't have okay. to be, oh, okay, I'm going to carve a book out. and put, No, not, it could be anything you want. It doesn't have to provide long-term sustenance. Just what's your desert It's just island? something that I like. Yeah. Whatever. going to die on this island anyways. Just pineapples. I love pineapples. Pineapples? Okay. I love pineapples. You can find them on desert islands too. Any, any, anything you want, you would pick pineapples? Uh, I mean, I guess like if you're for a meal... Huh. No, it doesn't have to be anything you want. Like, this yeah. is the thing that you're going to eat for the rest of your time on the island. I'm just saying. Wait, oh, and it's only wow. available on the island or any food any for food the rest of your life? Is it like your for the last re- meal kind Correct, of thing? but okay. for the rest of your life. You have to eat it multiple times oh, over and okay. over and over. So uh, not pineapples. <laughs> I was going to say that's like my favorite single like okay. of, uh, food, but... Uh, uh, I like ramen enough to where I can like, eat it over and over again, probably. Okay. That's fair. The first thing that came to mind was pizza. For me, I'm Korean basic. barbecue. Korean oh. barbecue. Oh yeah, good, <laughs> good, pick, good pick. But you get, yeah, you get the meat sweats. You get the variety. <laughs> the meat sweats. <laughs> you can't eat that forever. Oh man. Wait, are we talking about actual just Korean barbecue meat? Or are you actually including the banchan like stuff too? Everything. See, that's strategic. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's a little, you can yeah. Get everything. I see where you're going with this, Allison. Trying to be strategic about it. All right, I see how it is. It's supposed to be a gut reaction, rapid fire. 
Hey, yeah, it's, it's my favorite meal. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, mine is ice cream. Mm-hmm. So I can eat ice cream over and over again. And specifically, Ben and Jerry's milk and cookies is mm-hmm. delicious if you guys haven't tried it. Milk and cookies, okay. I haven't I'll tried that one. I like the Americone Dream, though. That one's good. That one's really yeah, yeah, yeah. good. I mean, you guys have favorite ice cream flavors? Pineapple, if it's available. <laughs> yeah, Hagen does does this really awesome pineapple coconut one. Thrifty's pineapple that. coconut, number one. Thrifty's. Oh, okay. So you guys are fruit based. You guys like fruit based ice creams. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And Allison, you're you're probably like me. You like more like chocolate. I actually kinda. like a lot. I have like a variety. It depends on my mood. So like mm-hmm. I like flower flavored. So like lavender honey ice cream is actually really good. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm feeling like tea, like matcha flavored or oolong, bougie, bougie, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't make fun of her because I'm pretty bougie with ice cream <laughs> myself. But I like textural differences, so I do like things that have crunch in them with ice cream. So. Mm-hmm. What's that place that originated in Portland? The ice- salt and straw. Salt and straw. Mm-hmm. My favorite yeah. ice cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favorite flavor there then? Um, because they make some wild stuff. They had like yeah. a popcorn flavored one, which was great. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I haven't tried their weird stuff. Okay. Oh, although the other day I tried a, uh, it's their um, pear and blue cheese. Oh, interesting. It's How was delicious. It? Oh. it doesn't. The blue cheese is super subtle, and the pear is. It's a candied pear. Okay. It's amazing. Oh, wow. I, I, you know, we took a risk and we tried it and it was, it paid off. It's nice. an unusual so pair. Try it next time. All right. Yeah. Did it wasn't intentional. Now it is. Yeah. My, yeah. my favorite one from Salt Straw they made was a blueberry cobbler. Ooh, that one's good. That one was yeah, really that good. That one's really yeah. good. It's, it's obviously, it's not a, what is it? It's a, a special. So they only come out with it on occasion. But mm-hmm. that one was a great one. The popcorn one was good. And they had a corn one too. Um, sweet cream. A corn sweet cream one. Oh, I, I like that. sweet cream because sweet cream apparently is a little bit less sweet than vanilla. Mm-hmm. I'm a vanilla guy in general. Mm-hmm. So are you guys chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. 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 Allison? Probably chocolate. Chocolate. Always the hot one out. Too okay. rich, man. <laughs> we need diversity in the program here. Yeah. 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 All right. Last question. What's your favorite show growing up? Ooh. Like how old? What's the age? Anything, yeah, yeah. anything yeah, really, anything. yeah. Anything. You can pick Doug from ABC, Rugrats, whatever you Ooh, want. Doug ABC. Whoa, it's Doug Nickelodeon. Yeah, I know. ABC one. <laughs> so I thought you were my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes the Doug ABC. <laughs> so, no, still. You didn't, you didn't watch TV. Yeah, I wasn't that. allowed to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. But in the, the <laughs> shows that I was briefly able to watch at like friends houses and stuff i liked fairly odd parents that was okay i really enjoyed that cartoon okay Uh, i've actually haven't heard of that fairly odd parents yeah i've heard of that it's a a little after you know rugrats and stuff okay but it's 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 is it oriented towards kids oh it's It's like spongebob era got it got it okay um now the simpsons that's a good classic yeah that's a good one Sailor Moon for me. Ooh, Sailor Moon, okay, good one, good one. Mm. Have you guys heard of my favorite is Ghost Rider? Oh, uh, from the comics, right? The Skull? No, not that one. Ghost Rider was this very kind of small niche show that was, I believe, it was on PBS. I know what you're talking about. It's on PBS. Something about like it, it was. Um... There's something about it was bouncing, right? Yeah. Something was bouncing. <laughs> you got the man motion. Some of you guys might not know what I'm talking about, but it was this show that was a pretty small show, but it involved uh, a bunch of kids from New York City. I believe they were from Queens, but it was 
this figure of a, a quote-unquote ghost, but it was a ghost that can only write in the air. So they, they would solve mysteries and cases, and only these, like, seven or eight kids can see this ghost. But the, but it's not a scary thing. It's, like, a very kid-friendly show. But the ghost can um, speak or hear, but it can write. So they have to communicate with the ghost via writing only. So now I'm shaking his head oh, like, wow. like, you know, yeah, but it's, like, a very small show. Yeah. Not everyone watched it. I was such a nerd when I was a Never kid. heard of it. Oh, so it's, like, ghost writer, like, writing. Right, writer. correct. Not, 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 like, all. not like the flaming skull. Correct. Right, not that one. Deal. Yeah, if my parents let me watch that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might be questioning their parenting techniques. Yeah. That's it for all the questions, and thank you so much, everybody, for coming. I think there was a lot of pertinent information for the med students. Hopefully, now med students and you guys are about to start your EM rotation at ARMC as well as your sub eye. You guys have a good foundation of kind of the expectations that the residents expect because we got a good, you know, we got a chief here, we got a second year here, right? We got a full spectrum of residents here to tell you what they're expecting um, from beginning to end. And hopefully you guys are more well-informed and a little bit more comfortable when you get into the uh, the emergency department there. And we'll also put up each uh, resident's email as well, too. Um, if you guys want to contact them with any questions or concerns that you might have, they're awesome folks. Our ER department's one of the strongest rotations that we have at CUSM here. They really care about your learning. And honestly, if you guys have any questions and concerns, they're really open to you guys coming to them. Lastly, if you guys have any questions, any show suggestions, go ahead and email our podcast email. We'll go ahead and take any questions any suggestions for future episode ideas that you guys might have thanks for tuning in and thank you guys thanks for having us yeah take care bye thanks for listening everyone if you have any questions comments or episode suggestions please email us at oumpodcast at cusm.org that's o-u-m-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at c-u-s-m dot org